0: There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses.
1: It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto. With Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers, here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle.
2: Welcome to the weekend, and it is a long weekend. It's like you need the barbecue up and running and... uh, quench your thirst and uh, stay nicely hydrated and do not drink and drive my good friends no the uh, our finest will be out there uh, patrolling the highways and byways so uh keep it cool and uh stay safe very very important uh yes indeed uh it is hi-fi radio it is a show about money i am wolfgang klein your host jack hartle in for the good cause and the cause of course is to help you uh have more money uh help you reduce taxes help you uh, with your financial plan and keep you away from all those potholes out there. Uh, this is a show about business and uh, we uh, we have a lot of latitude because uh, it's my show and latitude is what I like in life. I, I want to position myself to have latitude. Uh, yes, indeed. The man to me is my customer and I have lots of them, uh, lots of men to report to and women, of course. But uh, I got a really cool guy in the studio right now, uh, a man dear to my heart uh, as he is a culinary expert. And uh, I said to Jack, uh, Um, He's also alumni. Uh, He and I are alumni because I am attending George Brown. But, of course, Jack, your response to that was?
3: Not alumni yet. Well, if you pass the course, but you got to pass a number of courses to, to graduate. I need a piece so of you're paper. Getting there, you, yeah. I don't know. got you're, a piece of paper in my You're hand
2: working yet. on it.
0: No accreditation yet.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I'm getting good. Uh, I, I'm getting good, Mark. So uh, Mark McEwen, of course, a, uh, a, a a nice brand in Toronto, I shall say, and uh, uh, that's one of the reasons why I brought him into the studio. We have to commemorate successful Torontonian entrepreneurs, um, and he worked through uh, many, uh, many cycles, um, witnessing, of course, food cycles, interest rate cycles, business cycles, um, you, you've, you've gone through a few recessions. You know what I'm talking oh about. But uh, uh, Mark McEwen, of course, graduated from George Brown in 1979. Uh, he was Canada's youngest ever executive chef uh, when he was hired by Sutton Place Hotel in Toronto. Opened up his first uh, restaurant and a very well-established brand, North 44, in 1990. And that's my point. That was a tough time to open up a restaurant. I'm dating myself, but that's okay. And you survived that, Mark. And I, I tip my hat to you. Um, but you're dynamic you're, you're, you know you have the uh, one up in Hazelton Lane uh, Hazelton hotel uh, of course a luxury hotel in Yorkville and real estate prices there I think are probably the most expensive in North America so uh, you, you have you you have guts my friend uh, so congratulations to you uh, on all your success so I, I don't know where we're gonna go with the show that we're gonna have some fun and we're gonna talk about you and your business as I eat at your buymark restaurant in the financial district I will say to you mark um, real meat forget beyond meat you know how to do the best the best burger in the country i tip my hat to you for that 40 uh, 40 piece of deliciousness that you served me at Bymark. and when I, I was first told about that um, the, a, a brand was created in my mind when someone said well if you got to go to BuyMark and try their burger but be careful it's about 38 bucks and this was in two i said 30 are you kidding me i couldn't get around the price point someone took me there served me the burger and it was off the charts worth every penny. then
0: then you understood
2: and then I did understand. Yeah. And uh, again, uh, I'm having a lot of fun um, at George Brown. You're, you, of course, what, sit on the, on the board of directors at George Brown. It's a fantastic um, culinary arts program right here in my own backyard. And uh, we Torontonians don't experience our own city enough. And it's a beautiful city. It's I, a
0: great school. I, I went to the original campus, which was in Kensington Market at the time. That was in 1977. It's that warehouse on Nassau Street. That was George Brown College. That's what the culinary college was. And, and they, they did hair and makeup, I think, on the second floor. So in your spare time, you go down and get a, a facial massage and get your hair done.
2: That's why you look so learn good. Learn to cook. Ah, that on, was your trick. Market. Yeah. Eh? In between your mise en place, a little facial. Exactly. You know, it's funny that that concept, mise en place, uh, and I, was like, I speak to Jack about it frequently now as like, I'm a student, um, an undergrad. A <laughs> uh, mise en place, uh, direct translation, put it in its place. Yeah. yeah, put it in its place from Escoffier in the French, of course, right. uh, to make sure everything is in its place in advance of preparing your dish life is life is like that. You know, Jack's a hockey player and it's all about practice. Um, I'm a portfolio manager as is Jack. And the more research, the more work Jack and I do in advance of putting a trade on, the more successful the trade tends to be. If we don't properly put together our mise en plus in the world of business and finance and life, the outcome won't be what it could be. But I'm telling you, doing my mise en plus at home as I'm preparing dishes for my family, I kid you not, my food tastes so much better because it is properly organized.
0: Yeah, when I do a dinner party at home, I, I do it just like I do it in the restaurant. Everything's prepped. All my service platters are out. All my utensils are out. So I'm not running around looking for things when I'm entertaining guests. And then the dinner falls together really nicely. But that's that's life. Uh, cooks have to be very organized. Uh, you live and die by your mise en place. You get busy in a service, and if you're not ready... And you're running around starting yeah, like to chop yeah. some onions. And where are those carrots? Then you're in seriously big trouble. I'm, I'm a
2: business guy. Again, yeah, I, I yeah. eat quick. I, I really do. About 40 minutes I have for lunch. And so I want to go to a place that gives me quick turnover. But uh, Jack introduced a guest to, onto Hi-Fi Radio later in the show, a gentleman named uh, Lance. He's a, a real estate, uh, commercial real estate uh, broker. Um I, I bring that up because the price of real estate is going through the roof. When I look at the restaurants now in the core, it's a different game, Mark. It's a completely different game. The capital required um, to to open up a restaurant now is off the charts. I'm looking inside our building Chotomati uh, that uh, opened up a few weeks ago. I saw a delay in the in the project. Uh, I saw all kinds of uh, um, uh, change to plans and delays and delays. And I see the final product. So they spent a lot of money on this thing here. I don't know how they're going to get their cap. So how do you deal with the the capital intensiveness and, and, and the rising price of labor and, and just a changing landscape and still manage to make money in a very difficult industry called re- being a restaurateur.
0: No, I think and in the industry today, it's it's much, much tougher to make a good bottom line in the business uh, than, say, 10 years ago. Uh, you talked about real estate. All these all these valuations in the city on real estate have gone up and, up and up and up and up, and people have bought parcels of land, developed it, put up buildings, and then they want to lease out the space You know, typically a restaurant can can afford to spend so much on on occupancy cost, but those costs have almost tripled. Mm -hmm. So you take a lot of the small restaurants down in Ossington, Seven eight years ago, five years ago, they signed a lease and they were paying five thousand, six thousand a month. A month, yeah. These leases are renewing, and they right. want twenty thousand. dollars Correct, fifteen
2: twenty thousand for a little, so, and that yeah. takes
0: your taxes and bumps it up. So, so how many Neapolitan pizzas can you sell mm-hmm. uh, to rationalize the business? So the the realities, the realities every single day in the industry, between cost of real estate, taxes, and then labor, which went up exp- exponentially last year. Uh, Correct. When, when the government forced it it was a big push of water into the system and it floated everybody so if you were making 18 dollars an hour before and now all of a sudden minimum wage is 14 the people making 18 want the same spread course, they they want to see, have. And are they getting it? So, unfortunately, most people are. They
2: are getting it, yeah. Uh, very delighted to have Mr. Mark McEwen in studio. Um, he's uh, overseeing my uh, experience at George Brown College as he sits on the board, and I'm in the sweaty-hot kitchen with Create My Mise en Place, but doing a very, very fine job and learning along the way. Uh, Mark McEwen, great uh, restaurateur, entrepreneur. Uh, he's going to tell us uh, what he thinks about Beyond Meat right here on Hi-Fi Radio, right after this.
1: Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: Okay. Well, as I said earlier in the show, if you want the best hamburger in Toronto, buy Mark. And the... Uh, financial district, uh, Mark McEwen's uh, establishment, or one of his establishments. Uh, welcome to the show of Hi Fi Radio, a show about money. Delight to have Mr. McEwen in studio. There's so much to talk about uh, with Mark, but. Uh, Front and center, you know, one of the hot stocks of the summer uh, has been Beyond Meat. Uh, jacket to, what twenty dollars? Twenty
3: five dollars. Yeah, yeah high in the stock,
2: ago. what over two hundred bucks a share? Can yeah,
3: those
0: shorts really got squeezed? I think a couple of weeks ago, for sure. Yes,
2: they squeezed the shorts, gave them a little wedgie.
0: Um, <laughs> didn't, they, didn't they have a hiccup yesterday when they 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 put another seven hundred and fifty? They did. Yeah, so, they, so
3: they're going to uh, so. The, the founders, I guess, are also doing a, a secondary offering, yeah. which means that the founders recognize that I think the, uh, the market's a little frothy at these levels. Time to
2: sell some stocks. Slightly to...
3: frothy, maybe yeah. extremely frothy. And yeah, they're willing to obviously part with some of their Beyond Meat shares.
2: So, so Mark McHugh, and we're going to ask him because I'm I'm being asked a question as a as a portfolio manager frequently by various media outlets. What they think, I, what what they what I think about Beyond Meat, and I just say I think it's egregious, and I think the competition is going to come at them from the likes of Tyson Foods and Nestle and all those big food conglomerates internationally, who certainly have the clout to uh, create and, and and reverse engineer a uh, Beyond Meat product. But Mark, a couple of questions. Number one. Uh, I, I used to ski. I still do ski, and uh, I'd say back in the early '90s when I went out west, all of a sudden uh, a BC Veggie Burger hit the slopes, and it was quite good. Uh, didn't hold heat very well, but it was very flavorful and nutritious and quite simple. Um, I think there's some oats in it and some right. I don't know bit of this, bit of that, but not, not nothing complicated. First and foremost, uh, beyond meat, uh, I believe it's a very processed. Product? Do you can you speak directly to the product? Do you have an opinion about what they've created here and how they created it? And uh, how well, do you get how do you get a pee? We went we went it? through a
0: taste test on it just for argument's sake. Um, I thought it was okay. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a big I'm not a big veggie burger fan. Like I would prefer to eat a salad. And if I'm going to eat vegetables, I'm going to eat it in proper form. But somehow it 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 really has struck a chord with people. Mm-hmm. You know the whole vegan story, the vegetarian story. Cutting beef out of your diet or cutting cutting your consumption of beef down—it just seems to resonate with people. As a product, it's okay. It's okay. I don't I don't get the rage, and I I, I agree with you. There's going to be lots of competition in the category, uh, but veggie burger. I don't know. I'd rather have a real burger. I, I say,
3: yeah, th- things go in cycles, and the cycle I thought was everything's supposed to be fresh, organic, right, all down that line. Whereas this is seems like all right, it's a vegetable, but highly, highly processed. A a potato chip is a vegetable too. doesn't mean it's healthy. But Mark,
2: at George Brown College, you have a food science division, correct? They do. They do. And and so if I wanted some expertise and some consulting on creating a new product, I could come to George Brown, commission them to give me some food science as to how the product will hold up, how you preserve the product. So what kind of food science had to go into a pea to turn it into a burger-like product? In,
0: well, most of the veggie burgers are, are based in bean or lentil based. Uh, I, I believe Beyond Meat has a beet element in it, which gives it the color. It actually has there, a, There's
2: some beet in it. It's yeah, made from it's, a pea, but there's beet in it to give yeah, it some so color. There, there's, it.
0: there's a variety of things. And what you want to create is some texture uh, and, and some unctuousness when you when you bite into it. But I agree, the uh, the Beyond Burger, you know.
2: Unctuousness, it, it, but from a veggie? How do you get unctuousness out of a pea and a beet? Well, I, like obviously they did, so, but what did yeah, you have that, to do to it to get? I, it to I that find point? the ones you
0: buy in the supermarkets they're very processed. Right. So if I was to make a veggie burger, I would have pieces of mushroom, pieces of onion in it, small, identifiable, bound with yeah. with ground legumes and beets and and different things yes. to create. Yes, I want them
2: yummy. I'll have that. Yeah, hey, but I, but don't call it meat either. Could call it you know your veggie burger. What's wrong with veggie? Why don't people, are they afraid of that word? The, the vegan vegans out there, do you not like the word veggie? Do we
0: insult you with that word? I think you prefer that... the word meat? Vegan? No, you don't. I have a vegetarian friend that when they, she'll come over to the to the cottage and have dinner with us and she'll, she'll bring a couple of veggie burgers for us. We'll be eating chicken and yeah. ribs and we'll throw a couple of these. These Disc, sorry, uh, they're, they're discs on. sorry looking discs on the on the grill. I feel really yeah, bad. Yeah, like, these they are on the know, grill like that. Put some, you, put some vinaigrette over top of no, it. No or grill marks. One flipper is going to fall apart. I guess. Eh? Yeah, it, it, it's it's a it's one of those stories that everybody's latched onto, and I'm not quite
3: sure why. Well, there's extreme enthusiasm, obviously, around Beyond Meat, but it actually brings me back to when I was in university, in uh, actually in college, and I remember my professor telling me that the Atkins diet was going to put McDonald's out of business. I think within a month, McDonald's bought them. It was trading around $12, twelve maybe $10, something like that. We own McDonald's for our clients. Obviously, the lineups are still there. Stock's Burgers $200. Burgers and price. That's what they sell. There's no Beyond Meat there at that, the that's moment
2: That's a 20-bagger, Ajak.
3: Absolutely. A 20-bagger Yeah, plus on that dividend. Stock.
2: Plus dividend. Incredible. So I think
3: the professor failed on that one, Wolf.
2: Well, Mark, look, you, you, you are resonating uh, on a number of fronts with me. Uh, I indicated you make the best burger in Canada. Uh, you are on the board of directors for George Brown, uh, a school that I recreate at on weekends and learn so much wonderful so again i think it's an absolute life skill being able to cook and prepare food for yourself is an absolute life skill in a world of uber eats and 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 uh it was it just uh, what's the one i wrote in the weekend uh
3: no
0: just one. eats, just so, eats yeah. so why at your age george brown What's that? How did George Brown enter into your life at your age?
2: Yeah, look, we're going to go commercial break. And I do want to put it, I will answer your question, Mark, but it was one time. Uh, Commercial break. I also want to talk about your charitable work because you also resonate there, being an ambassador of Second Harvest in Toronto. Again, you're hitting the heart of people that this stuff counts, my good friend. So, Mark McEwen in studio. Uh, More with Mark right after this.
1: Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: Wakey, wakey. That'll do it to you. Yes, Wolfgang Klein here. Hi Fi Radio. It is a show about money, it's a show about business It's a show about trends and brands and a whole lot of interesting things. Uh, It's our show, and we have a lot of fun bringing it to you each and every week. We have Mark McEwen in studio. Mark McEwen, of course, is a worldly chef. Uh, He's also an American. Did not know that. Dual citizenship presents some unique challenges to investors out there, I shall say. Uh, But I tell you where Mark's hit my heart here. He's also very much involved in philanthropic participation. Uh, He's a big ambassador for the second harvest in Toronto. Toronto, You know, it's very difficult to to appreciate and understand in this rich country and rich city of ours that Mm -hmm. many people are hungry. And uh, at uh, your school, George Brown, our school, George Brown College, um, my chef Bashir, who's an excellent, excellent human being. I adore him. He's such a cool guy. Um, He's about to uh, go back to school and work on a thesis, um, Food Equality because he believes food is a human right. Uh, So tell us about your participation, what you do for Second Harvest, and why that's important to Mark McEwen.
0: I've been on the board at Second Harvest for a long time. Uh, So 30 years I've supported the charity. Uh, You go right back to the first day, and and what it was was uh, chefs in the city that work with the finest ingredients all the time. Uh, uh, To your earlier point, it's really hard to imagine that many, many people have no idea what they're going to eat when they wake up in the morning. So breakfast, lunch, dinner, you have young mothers with children that can't feed them before they go to school. You have people that live on the street. They have no idea how they're going to feed themselves. So uh, what we do with Second Harvest is we take usable food, repurpose it, and get it out to people in a, in a huge way every single day of the week. So this could be single moms, as I said, the elderly, the people that are disenfranchised on the street, but Toronto has a huge number of people that cannot take care of themselves.
2: Tell us, number one, how much tonnage goes through Second Harvest, again, through reusable food. And number two, based on estimates being on the board, you've seen statistics. How many people rely on these services in Toronto?
0: Oh, we have thousands of people every single day that are fed by Second Harvest. Like lots, lots of people. I don't have tonnage. uh, The figure's in my my mind right now. Uh, The efficiency of of Second Harvest is, is what really caught my attention uh, from an administration standpoint it's a very simply run company there's no overhead there's no money wasted 85 cents of every single dollar goes straight out to people in the form of food mm-hmm. and they do such a beautiful job of it so for me to be on that board and, and to support year year upon year upon year uh we, we do the big the big uh, food festival in june every single year we just did it at at, uh, at the brickworks this year it was fantastic so all the chefs come out. They put their best wares out. There's a little competition between the chefs to see who can have the coolest dish or the most talked about dish. And we raised uh, over a million dollars again this
2: year. So well You know, Jack's ambition one day is to um, uh, have enough money that he can offer Warren Buffett uh, the highest bid to have lunch with him. Uh, <laughs> well, but but no, 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 I'm not done yet, Jack. But I, I understand people can do the same with you because, as a matter of fact, Tracy Pound in our office uh, spent money to rub shoulders with Mark McEwen. Feel privileged oh, about this, Jack. Spent money to, to actually cook with Mark McEwen. I can pay you to cook with you. All right, I'll have to pull out my Japanese knife and my stone I, We and get do that shot. all the time. Those, I, think those,
0: that's, I think that's so cool. Those are, those are great money makers at, at dinner parties when they auction off. So I just did something with OLG to win a, a dinner with me with six friends. I will cook for you at BuyMark. You stay at the Hazleton Hotel. Uh, so look, look for it online. All right, what was that worth? In case Jack
2: can't afford Warren, well, you—it's
0: you, not going to cost you anything. But you have to—you have to enter to win, right?
2: Oh, so oh, I and see. So it's a lottery,
0: and I'm—it's going to be quite an ex- extraordinary evening. It'll be a lot of fun. So we—we we do lots of things like this for charity, and it's—it's uh, it's good to give back. So people that support me in my business, when they come to me and ask me to help them out, I'm always there.
2: But it stops. Sorry, it doesn't stop there. There's so much more. Mark McEwen, The Heat, Top Chef Canada. Uh, you're dynamic. You keep going.
0: Well, we're back in studio in October uh, for the eighth season. It was supposed to be one season. And I, I predicted in hair and makeup. I said, we're going to do nine seasons, and everybody laughed. So here we are, season eight. Going into season eight in October.
2: Wow. Well, I worked on a a TV show. It was just a pilot called Stock and Awe. And uh, yeah, we did not get past one season. So I commend you for that because I know how difficult it is uh, to uh, renew Uh, such contracts.
0: we, We have a great time on that show. Lots of fun. Isn't that dynamic? Good food, bad food, good days, bad days, lots of tears. It's uh it's a it's a tough month for the chefs I'll tell you that.
2: Well again you know Jack and I manage money for people but we don't outsource our work. We actually do the work ourselves. We are experts at managing money. We know the names we own. We don't use third party. We do it ourselves. And you being a restaurant tour, what I like about you is you really have and had your boots on the ground in that you are a chef first and foremost, correct? And I think that's quite unique yep. in your industry. Cause I've seen a number of chains and, and restaurants evolve into being uh, multiple location, but the entrepreneur is a businessman first, uh, not really a trained chef. And that's, again, where I think it's yeah, going there to the Yeah,
0: there were very few of us in the city, uh, chefs that actually owned their own restaurants, and I was one of the first. Uh, Michael Bonaccini was a, an owner with, with partners. But I owned everything myself uh, and, built, and built the business, which was quite unusual. So now today you see chefs opening restaurants left, right, and center, but typically, again, there's four partners, three partners. As a, as a general rule, that's the way they, they are. So that's not the way I embarked on it. But I definitely hawked everything I owned, signed on the bottom bottom line, because if it hadn't worked out, like you mentioned, opening North 44 in 1990, oh. I could not have opened in a worse year. And I spent twice as much money as I had, but we survived.
2: Yeah. Can you do me right. a favor, Mark McEwen? Can you remind the listeners, both our um, young millennials, uh, as to what interest rates were in 1990? Oh, my goodness.
0: I, I never, I never had a a, a mortgage of eighteen percent. But I heard of people having. Did
2: one. you borrow, But did you have a business loan, a business
0: line of credit? Sure, I did. Yeah. Well, and what was the interest rate on that? Probably twelve. I, only twelve. Only 13, twelve percent. Yeah. Thirteen percent.
3: So, so real estate costs were cheaper back then. Right. But a lot. Interest, yeah, interest rate and debt service was much higher, obviously.
0: Right. Well, I, I remember my first mortgage was 12.75% at the Royal Bank, and that was a deal. They ripped you off that the That was Royal a deal. Bank. See those buggers? Yeah.
2: Just buy the stock. Don't give them the mortgage business. Uh, Mr. Mark McHugh, we are out of time. We have to turn the table over. Guests are lined up to get into our show. I do want to thank you for catering today's event at Hi-Fi Radio. Absolutely delicious. Uh, I commend you on a, six, a very, very successful career. And, uh, well, who knows? Maybe I'll pop into one of my uh, course I take in the fall. I got pizza lined up. I'm taking Southern Italian and I'm taking Thai.
0: Well, good so, good luck with that. I'll, I'll I'll put a good word in for you. Please do. Ho- hopefully, I don't you, want to get kicked out. Hopefully, you survive your taste test at the end. <laughs> <laughs>
2: right. uh, an absolute treat, Mark McCune. Congratulations on all of your success. Uh, more of High Fry Radio, a show about money, with Jack Cardell and Wolfgang Klein. Right after this.
1: Listen, we're going to take a break, but when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
2: Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager with Canico Genuity Wealth Management, uh, here to take care of all of your money needs. If you have any questions, you give us a call anytime. Jack and I would be more than happy to help you out. That is what we do. We help people become wealthier. so many things we can do for people from the small to the large, from uh, keeping you from making some common mistakes, to give you some more sophisticated strategic uh, solutions. Yes, indeed. Um, we have a very interesting guest on the line here, uh, Lance Coulson. Uh, he is executive vice president of National Apartment Group in British Columbia. He's with CBRE. Um, he is a deal closer. Uh, multi-family apartment buildings is what he specializes in. And well, throughout his career, he's has sold just under three billion. And this is not uh, Mike Myers speaking. Three billion dollars in transactions in the greater Vancouver area. Uh, Lance, uh, a um, couple of things going on that have caught our attention here in the east. Uh, number one, there was a lot of foreign money moving into Vancouver. There was always questions: Is the money, um, you know, just being uh, laundered? Uh, to get it out of various international jurisdictions into a safe jurisdiction. And number three, foreign buyers were pushing property prices through the stratosphere so the locals uh, could not afford to purchase their own real estate, which leads me to myself as a father and as a parent living here in Toronto, hearing the latest statistic that you have to earn at least $22 an hour just to be able to rent an apartment in this city, uh, to be able to afford a average home in Toronto with a million-dollar price tag. Like, who can do that in this day and age? So it's a scary world in real estate. So can you help us set the stage? What's taking place with the, the international money out west? We are seeing more of it out east, and we think it's because out west put up some barriers to that money. Uh, can you speak to that, Lance, kindly?
4: Well, the former uh, provincial government, the Liberals, uh, put in a foreign buyers pact um, in 2016, and it was 15%. Uh, when the NDP came in uh, about a year later, a year and a bit later, they increased that to 20%. Oh. Uh, the, the, the NDP don't cut tax, Wolf. They don't. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So after that, we started to see a significant softening. I think we were down close to 40% um, in total sales. Um, and
2: Sorry, total sales down 40%?
4: Uh, yeah, a lot of that foreign money, especially that Asian money that was buying up condos and townhouses and, and land uh, started to uh, leave um, and going to other places like Victoria, Kelowna, Seattle, uh, etc. So, um, and there's been upwards of 20 different taxes here, uh, both provincial, federal, and municipal. Uh, we call it a policy-induced recession is, is what, we, what we've been dealing with.
2: Isn't that interesting? But the the prices, from from what we're doing, again, there's different ways of looking at real estate. Look, it's Saturday morning. It's early. I don't want to hurt the audience's mind with heavy math. Um, But in your world, you operate under what's called a cap rate. Uh, It's basically if you bought a, a unit, for cash and you rented it out, what kind of rate of return could you generate on that in a pure cash basis? And what we're seeing here is cap rates have fallen to about 3%. So again, if you bought a million dollar building, paid cash for it, you're able to generate a 3% return on that. It doesn't sound terribly attractive. It sounds ridiculous. Why would you buy such an expensive asset? So can you speak to valuations uh, where you are at today?
4: Yeah, you know, and, and actually for a, a number of years, we've been lower than that. Um, in some cases, we've been anywhere from 2 from to 3%. I've seen
2: the two. It's unbelievable.
4: Yeah. Which so some is- of that some
3: of that response, I think, well, if the 2 to
4: 3% cap rates, like you said, when
3: foreign money was leaving, whether it's Hong Kong or over China, whatever the case, like in 2016, I have stats here, I think 13% of real estate tractions in Vancouver area mm-hmm. were from foreign buyers. Mm-hmm. So sometimes they make purchases that don't actually make economic sense. Just because they want to get their money—that's exactly out of right. that market, right. Like you said, into a safe area. At least they know that uh, their principal is relatively safe. And the as currency,
2: as, and the currency is much more stable from
3: where yeah, they're coming absolutely.
4: from. And a lot of people were, you know, looking at the underlying land value. Unlike anywhere else in Canada, we have water, mountain border. Uh, we're very constricted with the amount of land use that we have.
2: You are in Vangno, it's a very unique city that way. Again, we, Torontoans, we have a similar problem with Lake Ontario, but we don't got those those those, those big rocks in our face that, that make you know building a road a little tricky sometimes, doesn't it?
3: exactly and that that is one of the things that actually creates bubbles and manias right limited yep, limited yep. supply and unlimited demand right so that, that's one of those things and you've seen it in multiple asset classes not just real estate you've seen it in while well, you've seen it in tulips you've seen it i don't know in bitcoin but uh, it, it's definitely more a characteristic that uh, that bubbles uh, that are cre- that create bubbles
2: and, and, and the, you also have another issue in Vancouver, of course, is, the, uh, uh, is your access with, via um, bridges. Uh, restriction on, on, on building those, correct? Do, do, do I think native rights?
4: Yeah, and that that's come into play uh, throughout the province. Um, and, you know, I, I don't think our roadways here, unfortunately, uh, are as efficient as maybe some some areas in eastern Canada or even predominantly in the U.S., uh, people come up here from the U.S. and don't understand how we get around here. Uh, no, it's a
2: tough city to get through. I've been through a very, very difficult city to get through, Vancouver.
4: Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, you know, I think, I think, uh, you know, and they're trying to figure that out with uh, you know SkyTrain and Millennium Lines, and uh, you know, so we're a little bit behind on on that. Especially, you know, we have sixty, fifty to sixty thousand people uh, migrating here from from either across Canada or outside Canada into the lower mainland
2: 60,000 a year. And what do we get coming to Toronto? We get about I think it's 100,000 100, 100, 30,000
3: families is what uh, Brad Lamb told us.
2: Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's a, to, to fathom over the next 10 years if we maintaining that direct trajectory. You know, another 600,000 people in Vancouver and another million people in Toronto. Yeah, we have no land in Canada after all. That's the part I don't get. We all want to live in a couple of different cities. Look, we have Lance Coulson online. Uh, he's a heavyweight uh, real estate mogul. Um and where the biggest moguls in the world are out in B.C., uh, multifamily apartment buildings he trades in uh, just as a hobby. Oh, my God, sell some $3 billion in deals. I'd love to uh, be your spouse. Your commission checks are through the roof. I'm certain of it. We're going to pay some uh, bills around here and get right back with Lance Colson, uh, Vice President, National Apartment Group, with a CBRE, right after this on Hi-Fi Radio.
1: Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? be sunny. Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
2: Welcome back to the show. It is Hi Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, your host. Uh, Yes, low rider. Certainly not for real estate prices, but for the ancillary aspect of real estate, and that is interest rates. Uh, We got lowered. In America, by a quarter of a percent. Bank of Canada on hold for now. Uh, perhaps they do lower interest rates later in the year here in Canada, but it is such a driver of real estate prices. Uh, we have Lance Colson on the line. Um, he is the vice president of the National Apartment Group. Yes, in his spare time, he sells apartment buildings. Oh, yeah. I'll sell that 50 story building over there for you. Make a little commission on that billion dollar deal and, uh, yeah, go to Whistler, I guess. Uh, You're a you big Whistler skier, uh, Lance.
4: Uh, a little bit yeah uh, huh?
2: you, you got yourself a little a little a little condo up there
4: no, 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 but because
2: uh, you your Whistler is basically, I guess, the Muskoka of Ontario. That's where all the high price heavy rollers hang out. Uh, even in the summer now, too, it's actually a nice little place in the summer with uh, the uh, Olympic ski team up there training. It they got the bicycles going down the mountain, and all uh, well, the hotels trying to keep open and uh, maintain uh, business activity. But let's talk first and foremost about interest rates. I know your company pays a lot of attention to interest rates. You uh, that that is a key key uh, factor in uh, the life. of blood of your business Uh, what is your forecast for canadian mortgage rates over the next couple of years
4: i think they're going to continue to kind of be around this level or slightly lower than they are right now um with some you know the uncertainty in uh, the global marketplace um i think it's putting downward pressure um the feds have lowered their rates um, and uh, I think that's going to continue uh, going forward.
2: So lower interest rates means real estate prices basically do not correct, maintain current values. Is, is that a fair statement? Uh,
4: I Well, I don't know if it's going to get back up to the values of of maybe uh, a year or two years ago. Um, There's still uncertainty.
2: Sorry to interject. How much have house prices actually fallen in Vancouver? Because in the the Toronto area, we have not really had a price correction. Outside of the Toronto area, in the periphery, yes, there's a price correction. Jack would, would say probably what? 10, 15% jackpot in the the 905 area.
3: And and again, you look at that foreigner's tax that they put on in Vancouver, yeah, and that was to make it more affordable for new home buyers Mm -hmm. uh, to obviously be able to get their first place or first home. So um, I think they've sort of had the response that they're looking for, meaning that uh, they haven't continued to elevate in terms of prices. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been somewhat of a soft landing, but Lance says obviously... Volume is down forty percent. So typically, volume and price sort of work they together. Think, yeah.
2: So, so what what have a, a typical value of a house um, uh, traded at uh, in in Vancouver from peak to current?
4: I think the average. If you look at the average of the whole market, I think an average house here was about one point six five million.
2: Was one point six?
4: Yeah. So you know that that's probably down to probably somewhere one two fifty somewhere in there one three.
2: Uh, real estate never falls. Eh? That's a pretty good correction. Three hundred thousand dollars on a one point six asset. That sounds like what twenty percent. Yep, a twenty percent right. haircut. Eh? And, and, and now um, I wonder if if uh, real estate buyers, uh, as their real estate falls twenty percent, if they're calling up their agency. Why is my price down? Because that, that's what they would do to me and Jack as a portfolio manager. But don't, people don't do that with real estate. But well, they, what, don't,
3: they don't get monthly statements on their real estate price either, they right? Know. So they know. They, they, uh, they get an annual assessment. But, I mean, that's not that relative in terms of what the true market value is of your house. Right? No.
2: But they, they watch, obviously, trades around them. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, try to get some kind of a gauge. Uh,
3: but the, but mean, I right? would say the policy, actually, the, the, the market response to government policy, meaning foreign buyers' taxes, sort of what the government was looking for. They're trying to make… Correct housing a little bit more affordable in Vancouver. Interest rates remain low. Um, coming over to the office or coming over to the studio today from the office, I had a couple of millennials asking me about affordability and just saying, based on the median income in a major city, whether it's Toronto or Vancouver, how are we supposed to be able to afford a house, whether it's five or 10 years down the road? You know, considering the fact that they're making eighty to one hundred grand,
2: Lance, can you speak to that? Because again, millennials are turning thirty in large amounts. This is actually a demographic phenomenon that's taking place. It's called household formations. Millennials are turning thirty, and as you turn thirty, well, you get married and you have kids and you buy a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, Can you speak to the affordability question, please, Uh, and to to all Canadians?
4: Well, yeah. Well, you know what? The mindset on that is changing. You know, uh, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, and, and it was kind of hammered into you. You know, one of the things that you're going to do, you're going to get married, and you're going to get a house. Right. Or now, uh, because of unaffordability, um, you know, that, that mindset is changing. And, and, and millennials, for the most part, seem to be adjusting to that and being okay with that. Um, and you're seeing different uh, rental buildings and the new construction of rental buildings kind of appealing to those type of millennials that are making good money, which is, you know, 80 to hundred. And maybe they can't, up the, you know, afford to get into the market right now, but they're still getting a good rental accommodation with, uh, you know, amenities such as full gyms and media rooms, and and uh, they seem to be okay with that. And that seems to be a different mindset than maybe it was, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago.
2: Uh, we have Lance Colson on uh, on the line. He is a heavyweight uh, real estate mogul out in Vancouver, the most expensive real estate market in can at uh, uh toronto continues to try to rival it but uh, vancouver always stays one pace ahead of us and right now you're about 20 percent more expensive i think the average house in toronto is worth about a million you're telling us the average house in vancouver is now 1.2 million look we're gonna go to commercial break and uh continue to pick the mind of lance colson the three billion dollar sales guy on hi-fi radio right after this
1: stay with us there's more shows still to come you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto
2: I just had to play that song. I don't know. It's been uh, a uh, mind worm stuck in my brain for a couple of weeks. I started playing on Hi-Fi Radio. I tried to, well, um, yeah. Pass, pass, on the, uh, pass, on, on pass on the, pass on, the pass mind worm. On. <laughs> <laughs> it is Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, your host. I hope your long weekend is off to a great start. And, uh, well, I hope we give you a few ideas. I can put a few more shekels in your pocket. Um you know, we talk about real estate continuously. It's just an ongoing discussion. And I'm a father of three kids, and I don't know how my kids are going to get housed when I kick them out of the house because they can't stay with me forever. They must grow up and, well, take on wings and fly. But it, it is frightening and it's depressing uh, as a parent uh, to see the major urban centers, certainly Vancouver, Toronto, how expensive they are. There's obviously Montreal, but I know speak it too good of French, uh, nor do my kids. So um, the other issue that we see, and Jack brings the point up, um, and brilliantly so, is apartment buildings. Uh, First of all, when you drive through Toronto, you see the apartment buildings. They stand out there all for the most part, eyesores. They're decrepit. uh, They don't look overly safe to me and they make gobs of money. Uh, the REITs that own those are good buys. Uh, those stocks are expensive, but those are great cash flowing assets. Uh, I tell you what, I am seeing in my neighborhood as well as those low rise, and there's a lot of them Toronto Jack, and they got the same color brick, it's like this yellowish brown brick. They're probably six stories in height. There's one elevator perhaps in it, and a bunch of staircases, maybe four to six units on a floor. And they're starting to level those right in the Kingsway neighborhood, take them down, and put up a nine story building, uh, turn the apartment into a condo. We need more apartments in our cities. Uh Lance uh, Colson, I want you to to, to speak to Jack because Jack brings a point up based on various legislations. There's no incentive to developers to build apartment buildings. Um how can this change? How can we approve upon the supply of accommodation, living accommodation as we bring in sixty thousand people into Vancouver year in, year out and a hundred thousand people into Toronto year in, year
4: out? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Uh you know, we different municipalities here around Greater Vancouver are doing different things and one of the things that uh, some of them are doing is, is by offering extra density um, to help make that work or lowering CACs, uh, the development cost charges, or doing uh, sort of a holiday on property taxes where you'll get a 10-year holiday... <laughs>
2: Excuse me, don't make me laugh on that one. Are you hauled in? Oh my god! Like Jack said, NDP. There. Would that be an NDP move, Jack? I don't know. I don't know about
3: that one. <laughs> um, you but, but it's a good point, though, right? If you have more supply, right? If you create higher density, mm-hmm. you would expect, naturally, uh, economics 101 the price, the price of rent to fall, right?
2: Well, again, in Vancouver, it's a, it's a unique. Have you been to Vancouver before, Jack? No, I haven't. It's a unique city because again, Lance, Lance speaks to it. You have an ocean. So yeah, there's a nice border in the mountains, and yeah. you have the mountains uh, here in Ontario or in Toronto. At least you know north of us it's flat. You can you can develop as far north as you want. Go to Thunder Bay if you want. Uh, the Shield might be a little tricky to dig into, but for the most part, you can do it.
3: But you do have the Green Belt, which is north of us, which you can't develop. Right? Yeah,
2: okay. Lance, let us speak this Green Belt notion, please. I think it's a bunch of politicians who make up this notion. Oh, it's a Green Belt. Leave that tree there. It's going to purify air. Nonsense. They're restricting supply. Tell me if I'm wrong. That's correct. It's totally correct. In Ontario, lands, again, speak this because you know this better than I do. I believe in Ontario there is six or eight families that control the bulk of the develop de- developable land. True or false? That's correct. That's correct. It's scary. Yeah. It, 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 that, that's not capitalism. That, that's not pure competition. That, that's an oligopoly business. Jack and I actually like to buy because uh, they, they 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 have limited supply. They basically can then push their prices as high as they want. And interest rates are allowing them to basically push them to the stratosphere. So how do we change this? I got three kids. That so gotta the, leave the government my house the government day.
3: does have to have regulation that incents those five to ten families, whatever it is, to actually create to, to create housing, whether it's whether it's apartments, whether it's single family homes, they still have to make sure that if those guys are going to put that money up, which is very significant if you're going to develop a subdivision if you're going to develop a property, it still has to be economical. And like I said, when you have rent controls, it really restricts the amount of supply that's there. So,
2: so Lance, speak to that uh, again in the, in the interest of time. If you were to – let's let's go we'll, – we'll keep British Columbia and, or, or uh, Vancouver out of it for now. We'll, we'll, you, you come to Toronto, come to Ontario. Just go north of, say, I don't know, 7 or 89 or something, nice little farmer's field, flat. Um, put a bunch of apartments in it. I, to tell us, start to finish, how would you pull off that project? How much lead time do you need? and can those projects be profitable without having to gouge the renters on rent?
4: well that's it's very difficult uh, because of land prices and 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 one of the things that we've that's been continuous is, is construction costs. Um, so if, if you're paying all the CACs and all the development cost charges on top of the land cost and top of rising construction costs, to do rental, which hasn't been as cr- creative as building condo, yeah. uh, there's the disconnect. Yeah, and, and a lot of politicians don't understand the math that goes into that, and developers aren't going to build it rental to lose money.
2: So, again, the developer is basically going to build the same structure. He can sell it for more as a unit or less as a, as, a, as an apartment is what you're saying. Uh,
4: correct. But was unless funny, when I- he gets incentives to make it work, and that's, and that's what we need. Because again, all those all those low rises
2: in, in, in Toronto, because I know what happened here, because just up the street from me in the Kingsway, it was one family, Jack, he must have put up, I never counted the actual buildings, but yeah. each, he must have put up 60 buildings on this nice parcel of land, and they have nice grass, there's walk, it's very. It's a beautiful little rental, um, but it worked back, it was probably developed in the 50s. The math, the environment was different in the 50s than it is today. So again, I, I that think business por- plan uh, that worked 60, 70 years ago does not work today. The dynamics have so changed. And you know that better than anyone. A Lance? Absolutely.
3: The, the point, the, no. the point that hasn't changed, though, Wolf, is that uh, money still goes where it's most welcome. What Lance was no, saying, right. there is the fact that you know what, if it's it's more welcome in condos, condos versus apartments, that's where the resources are going to go.
2: We got, we need rentals. Uh, say what you want, they got to fix that problem. We need to have new updated apartment building so people who are single newly divorced newly married can rent at a reasonable rate and not not have to always be concerned about getting kicked out because they sold the condo you can't kick someone out of an apartment but you can easily get rid of them from a condo and that is again very very disruptive and frustrating um lance i want to congratulate you for all your success in your business to to sell tall buildings is no mean feat (laughs) and uh, so uh, well perhaps we'll call you superman one day (laughs) <laughs> it's sort of these big buildings of yours. Uh, keep up the great work, and uh, keep keep us in tune with going on the price out in Vancouver. Because what happens out west eventually makes its way out east. I guess it's the prevailing winds. Uh, I want to wish you all a great long weekend, Jack. Thank you very much for your cause, and uh, the new kid working the board beside Loretta Michael for well his song selection. it's a singular uh, of a warrant cherry pie. Good choice. Uh, you have yourself a great weekend. I am Wolfgang Klein, your host. You can always contact us, wolfgangklein.com. Each and every Saturday, the Global News Radio Network, 640 in Toronto. The show is Hi-Fi Radio. Please tell a friend. They will care.
1: You've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi-Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.